welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational and entertaining auto detailing podcast, hosted by Marshall Hill of Total Auto Solutions and DJ Patterson of Eco Green Mobile Detailing. Grab a pint and enjoy. Hey, detailers, this is Marshall. Wow, aren't these episodes starting to get really good? I know I think I started enjoying it more and more because about this time I'm about two or three blue moons in and I'm starting to loosen up and start to enjoy that day. <laughs> Oof. Ah, that was such fun episode. So I hope you guys are getting value out of it. And you know, if you are, if you've gotten anything out of these episodes, hey, please leave us a review. Give us a rating. Love you to go on to iTunes. Give us a review or a rating or Spotify or wherever you listen. Anyway, appreciate all that you guys do. Have a great day. Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast stage. Hey, Mr. Patterson. Mr. Hill. Hey, how many times have you detailed cars at a dealership? Never. Never? Never. Why? I don't like working with them. Okay. Well. Completely understandable. There's Good. a lot of dealerships that are just fucking prick assholes, right? You're absolutely right. Yeah. Especially Jackie Cooper. I agree with that. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Wow. Know you work yeah, at? Don't call out one of what? my best customers. Yeah. Like, jeez. I was trying to uh, piss Cass off for a second. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. I was trying to be a jerk, but still love you. sorry I, I didn't mean to do that to you. Yeah. No worries. No worries. So actually- we're going to talk dealership detailing with Cass Tucker, uh, who's a service manager, and Nick Doran from Glass Parents. Doran, as I say right? No, I'm actually Tony Sierra. Nick Doran, step down. Oh, I'm sorry. I just read that. That's all right. I, I was all right. just reading notes. Man. It's You're all good. Right, it's man. all I'm good. So bad. My bad. Uh, yeah, no, Tony Sierra. People know me more as Tony GP uh, from Glass Parency and Transparent by Glass yeah. Parency. The deal was Nick was the one that said he was going to be he's on, on it. Yeah. yeah, he's on the itinerary and all that. So Nick, Nick is a Nick is a behind the scenes type of guy. He's better yeah. looking than me, but he prefers to be he's behind the scenes. He's better looking than you. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. So, my bad. No worries. Uh, Cass, tell us uh, what you're drinking. Tell us uh, what you do for a living. A little bit of Blue Moon here, and uh, I'm actually a service manager for Jackie Cooper Nissan in what, the old dealership world. What got you into dealership world? Um, actually, I was picked up working at a body shop and uh, got recruited to sell parts for Porsche, Mercedes, and Infiniti. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. And uh, what do you think, uh, when you think of detailing at a dealership, I mean, just give us real quick, we'll dive into some more segment later, but off the top, why do you think detailers like DJ just said they would hate to work with a dealership? Um, First off, I mean, just overall quality. Um, Difference between having to do the quality on, on a used car versus a customer pay. Completely different deal. And not to mention uh, the pay structure. Okay. Tony, introduce yourself a little bit. Give us a little background. I think you sure. said earlier you, you've worked for dealerships, yes. right? Uh, again, name's Tony. Uh, I'll just go with my stage name, I guess. Tony GP. Um, <laughs> Tony GP. Tony GP. I spent I like uh, 25 years working in General Motors dealerships. I'm an ASC Master Certified Technician. Um, later became a uh, service director uh, for a multi-location uh, uh, General Motors store. And uh, I enjoyed my time in the dealership, but you know it's it's a it's a dog eat dog. And we were just having a conversation before. Uh, you're only as good as your last month, and you know Cash was saying you're only as good as your last day. Sometimes you know, so um, it's a big Why break do you to think get it's out. So of cutthroat. 
I think it's cutthroat because the the dealership world is just um, ultra competitive. Uh, basically, what it is is as a dealership, uh, as a Chevy dealership, for example, where I worked, uh, as a Chevy dealership, I sell the same exact product, nothing different than a Chevy dealership down the road for me. So where it differs is um, customer service. And a lot of times, customer service doesn't really equate to making more money per se, but it adds to loyalty. And, and hopefully, in the long run, it does equate to more money. And what happens is uh, owners of dealerships, they want, they want that money now. And when you're building that process up and you're taking that time to do it the right way, most dealer principals just don't have that type of patience. That's well, again, the, the shrinking margins up front are really dictating everything else. So everything's made up in fixed operations. Oh, yes, absolutely. And what, after sales. I mean, hold on. What, dumb that down. Okay, so Nobody operations. knows what that, yeah. Uh, your parts and service department. It's all about the experience, all about the customer retention there. Um, if a customer, sales will sell the first car, service sells every car they're on after. Okay, okay. Um, and, by, and like you said, by fixed ops, that's usually um, that's usually a designation for the parts department and the service department that kind of work hand in hand with each car. other. And... Um, you know, it's that's the that's the the relationship building part of it. And one of the things I always used to say about sales is, salespeople are going to tell you what you want to hear because they're trying to sell you something, and service people tell you what you have to hear. And that's sometimes that double-edged sword of being in the service industry. There's a big division inside dealerships. Absolutely. I think the most ironic part that I've seen going into them is how they're actually almost inside of one business hub. There's multiple businesses competing against each other. Yeah. And that, to me, every time I see that, I just, I'm like, where's the cohesiveness? Why are they always fighting? Why is it like... You, you know what's funny about that is uh, you talk about, you know, most dealerships, your standard base um, of uh, operations, you're going to have your service department, parts department, sales department, and after sales, financing, right? And one of the things that always drove me crazy is... I would have, um, you know, being in New York, our labor rates were significantly higher earlier than, than a lot of other states, and we would be at $125 an hour for a CPL job, a customer pay labor job. Uh, when we got internal cars, like a used car would come in through my shop, I was told that I had to charge $125 to another portion of my own company, and it never made sense to me because basically what the owner of the dealership's doing is he's taking the money out of his right pocket and putting it into his left pocket, and it never made any sense. And yeah. um, one of the things that I did, like you said, there's such a, a butting of the heads between the, uh, the, the, uh, the different departments, is one of the things I actually worked at a deal to give a discount, as silly as it sounds as a, as a service manager, because I do get paid on those internal jobs. I just didn't feel that it was, it was good for business internally. And it actually, by doing something like that and showing I was willing to work with them, it, it, it made them want to work with me. And, and the one thing that Cass could attribute to is uh, we were also tougher in the service department. So if it ever broke down, we could go up there and kick their ass in the show them too. So. <laughs> so were you mostly on the service side or the finance side? I was always on the service side. Finance, finance. my my, uh, my boss for Glass Parency, Ray Duran, was a finance manager. And he always calls them the crooks with the Rolex watches. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I never wanted, I was never into sales. I was more into service. Um, I probably diagnosed more cars as a service manager than I did as a technician because it's something that I enjoyed doing. But the sales end of it was just not me. So it's what? Sales end of it was just not me. Not you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Cass, when, when we talk service manager, give us some, right, because so what we're going to get into is how a detailer can go into a dealership and learn to begin business-to-business -business sales. I'm not looking at going to work at a dealership. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, 
somebody like DJ, who whether mobile or shop, whatever, they're their, their own independent detail shop, de detailer, and they want to go in and either A, service the shop remotely or set up a shop, you know, but either way, they're going to need to talk, probably start on the service side, right, and work with a service manager. So give us a little back background of, you know, what does a service manager do, who are they at a dealership, and that type of thing. Uh, so you're basically the head firefighter. Um, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you're the guy hiring, training, retaining, creating all the processes, making sure the daily flow is, is where it's at, uh, making sure the customer experience is, is wonderful, and what we call is teaching the talesman aspect versus being a salesman. Uh, you're not there to sell anything. You're there to tell a customer what's going on with their vehicle and, and how to take care of it. Okay. And how does the detail department fall into under service side? Well, numerous different things. I mean, again, tearing out an engine or transmission, I mean, there's there's going to be accidents that can happen, whether it be scratches. Uh, you, you hope that you don't have oil and stuff left behind going inside of a car, but, but getting that stuff cleaned up. But I mean, just on a customer pay aspect, that advisor is looking at all these cars and doing an initial pre-write, being able to have the conversations with a customer to sell that detail, talk about paint correction, talk about the ceramic coatings. I mean, there's a hundred cars roughly per day coming through that drive, so very big situation. And you were, how long were you a service manager, Tony? Service manager for tw about 22 years. Wow. Yeah. So give us some of your day-to-day, -day, what you dealt with. Uh, like you said, head firefighter. Um, hiring technicians uh, was one of the hardest things to do. Uh, firing them was, was pretty hard, too, but uh, unfortunately it's part of the job. Um, handling uh, customers, you know, customer expectations, and that's one of the things that I see that, you know, talking about detailing industry, that's one of the things that we need to learn to do better in this industry, too, is manage expectations and... You know, getting if you're going to say something, make sure you come through with it. Delivery, promise times and such for customer vehicles, uh, accurate estimating. Um, but I think the biggest the biggest test that we had was basically uh, you're, you're basically a, a babysitter for grown-ups. And, and there's a lot of competition within the dealerships, technicians, you know, who made how much, how many hours he got flagged for this. Yeah. Um, who's allowed to do add-on work under warranty, but you don't let me do it, but this guy could add on a steering rack, but every time I say steering rack's leaking, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's just, it, it's a game. And, and, you know, one of the things that I found is if, if you manage if you manage it like it's your own business, you'll do well. And one of the best, my better strengths was uh, my communications with the factory level. And being able to read factory finance reports and service records and such, I knew when I can add-on work and when I couldn't, what type of work I could add on. So it's more about just managing day-to-day -day operations and being a babysitter, unfortunately. Right. Thanks for the background. I mean, because I think there's going to be a lot of detailers that don't know really what's going on at a dealership. Absolutely. But we just, we're just programmed, I think, from the industry that if we're detail-oriented, why are dealerships so rough on if you've got like okay let's say for instance i'm gonna sell a can dj loves that his can turns blue right like absolutely he loves the appearance of the product that he's putting that like yes. that he's taking it's what's in the can that matters <laughs> all you talk about is the appearance of the blue fucking mountain <laughs> so don't give me that shit now <laughs> but so when most most industries most uh i don't know you just call, let's just look over here at pads right like they're gonna present their pad in the best way possible 
But DJ, when you think of dealerships and detailing, do dealerships put out the best absolute, you know, I mean, it's the product that they're selling. What do you think about dealerships and detailing? The stigma, I mean, there, there's the quality is not there is, is kind of what we hear. I mean, even from the customer perspective, it's, I took the dealership, it didn't, it wasn't that great, you know, but I think the reason why the details may not be so great, honestly, is I think detailers in the, uh, from what I've gained is in the dealership industry, they kind of get shit on. They're not, they're just, you know, the bottom of the totem pole. They're just the detailers. They're just, I mean, there's, there's no sexiness to dealership detailing from what I've gained from it's talking to quantity, not quality. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's just, they're just a number. So when I, pra- when I preach when I preach on how to retain team members, it's the complete opposite of what I feel dealerships do to their team members, you know? It's just get the cars done, get as many as you can do. They're, it's an impossible amount of cars. You'll never get them all done. And then hurry up, get them done, get them done. Whereas on my end, it's, you know, you're trying to retain these guys by, you know, pouring into them and, you know, utilizing their strengths and doing like, you know, core values and visions and stuff. They're, they're more bought into the company and the vision, so you retain them longer. Whereas detailers in the dealership, they're just another numbers. So they get burnt out and they don't really care about It's just there's no pride in their work because they're not getting that pat on the back yes. all the time. But I think so. that kind of goes back to the pay plan as well, though. I mean, whenever you put somebody on a flag-style pay plan, sure. it's all about just hustling. Well, yeah. It, it's making that and money, flagging those out. I know some guys that do dealership, and they're, they're doing amazing. They're happy because they, they have that in them. They don't care. They're just a robot. They can yeah. go and kill it and make a ton of money doing it. You know, hats off to them, but... And a lot of times that sales manager wants that car up there to fill that hole. And it's just, the quicker they can get that car out there... I get it. So I get touch it up later. It. Yeah, that's where I was going to go. Like, yeah. That's a normal feeling for detailers that are privately owned detailers that it's just, it's so rough and they get everybody shit on. So and at that the act- question is why? Like, what from a service manager aspect, why do, why is there that stigma? Why, and, and I mean, from a, from a guy that goes into dealerships that comes from a mobile detailing background... I mean, I'm with them, and it was the biggest thing, like, because we've worked together, like, yeah. why is there so little put into the effort of detailing a car? Well, and that's one of those things, too, is switching gears, going from that internal used car that you're trying to recondition versus that customer pay detail, trying to manage that expectation for a customer is a whole different ballgame. So you're telling this guy over here who's flagging time, man, hurry up through all these cars. Oh, now you got a customer pay. I want to see that you'd spend six hours on this car or eight hours, however much time to make this thing perfect. And he's like, man, I'm not making the money. What are you talking about? I can go do four more used cars in the time that you would do so this. So why don't they pay him? Oh, and, that, and that's the thing. That's just... Takes away from progress. net profit. <laughs> net profit. It's that's why they don't pay. It's all about that bottom dollar. So that's well, why I mean, I, I get it. <laughs> that's why I'm asking that question. Yeah. yeah. Again, I, I think just, what what happens with with a lot of um, detailers like that are working for the dealership direct like they're an employee of the dealership they are usually the lowest paid employee in that dealership and like you said they're the bottom of the totem pole and you know when the first week of the month second week of the month third week of the month when they have five cars to get out you know they yelled at because you know you got to get five cars out you got to get five cars out and then when they get them out they want to know why you're sitting around doing nothing and then the end of the month comes when they got 25 cars that they got to get out. And these guys break their back. They work through lunch. They do everything that they got to do to get those cars out. And then the first thing that the sales manager says is, how is it that you could get five cars done in one day? And then you could get 25 cars done in one day. So they, there's just, no matter what you do, you're not going to get the respect in the dealership for detailers. And that's my personal experience over 22 years. Again, you're managing that, that different expectation. And what I did from, from a service standpoint, 
because to me part of it part of it being a manager is is to almost be a cheerleader too and knowing that they're the lowest paid guys if once a month I would buy a pizza for my detailing crew and a two liter bottle of soda that cost me seventeen dollars out of pocket I had the most loyal employees my my, my technicians that I paid thirty five dollars an hour would shit on me the second I turned my back but that detailer making ten dollars an hour that I gave a pizza to he's got my back all the time so you know there was a lot of times for sales sake again I like to work with the other managers for sales sake I would take that step of buying that pizza buying that sandwich taking care of their coffee truck bill and saying hey man I really appreciate what you did last week getting it's those 25 what food can do. Out. 100% so uh, I think it's 100%. something that you almost have to take up on an, on a uh, on an individual basis as a manager to help those that for lack of a better term are getting shit on by the upper management so but I think part of the problem is though too the older guys normally in the dealerships have always just thought that's just cleaning a car you're just running it through a car wash they don't understand the steps that are going through it yeah. our, our new parts and service director really sat back there and watched like oh this is not just washing a car yeah. I mean going back there and doing the polishing seeing the difference in the correction okay I can go ahead and just knock off oh, yeah. all those bugs with a bug brick and I'll park it up front and see how you like this world well mostly <laughs> a salesman right most salesmen are people who have no skill yeah. I'm a call for what it is. I'm a tradesman. I'm proud of being a tradesperson. I'm proud of being a blue work, a blue collar worker. And most salespeople, they couldn't find a job, so they said, "I'm gonna try sales," because salesmen are in in need. They're in demand. So you go and you have no particular skill, but if you could talk to somebody and have a conversation, you could turn into a salesperson. And with that, I think they lack the respect of actually what goes into cleaning the car. And then when you throw on top of it that the owners of dealerships look at it as it's a brand new car. What did you have to do to clean it anyway? They don't realize that that thing just got transported across country in an open car trailer. It's just as beat up as the next car sometimes. So it's all about education. All right. So I want to put detailers in in the in the theory of let's. You guys are sitting at your desk, right? So you're back being a service manager, Ugh. right? Yes. Yeah. You're sitting at your desk, right? right? Yeah. Ah! <laughs> yeah, it's bad. And a, and a detailer walks in to pitch you coming in to take care of their details. What's your? We're big on pain points, right? So what's your pain point that would be a good target that they should go after? Because right, so in sales, let's go, let's let's break down sales real quick. Sales is all about finding that pain point and meeting the need, right? Yep. In the most point, that's the best way of doing a sale. So what what's your pain points? What would be some good dialogue that a detailer should make with a service manager? It's not necessarily with a service manager. I think the service advisor. Um, if you oh, can gain really? their trust, in my opinion, they're the ones who are going to be selling. They're the ones gaining the relationship with the customer. But the service manager has to approve you. So you're t so it's just fine. I'm just asking. Yeah. This is yeah. your opinion. So a detailer should come into a service drive and go start talking to the service writer? In my opinion, yeah. Okay. Because... Because gas doesn't want him bugging them. <laughs> no, again, I, I want to empower my people, but I also want them to utilize what we have there. And the more we can add to the bottom line and the more value we can offer to a customer, absolutely. If we can be a one-stop shop, 110%. Yeah, in, 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 in New York, you know, in, in the dealerships that I worked at, there really wasn't any uh, real CPL detail work. Um, it was basically we were just obligated to get new and used car vehicles done. I think, though, um, and I've, had, I've actually had uh, sublet detailers come into my shop at uh, a store that I worked at many years ago. It was a GMC store. And one of the things that, um, that we required was 
some sort of liability insurance. Um, if I got somebody that's coming in that's not one of my employees and he's pulling the car around back and he sideswipes a wall or he does something that, that damages the car, he burns the paint, I need to know that this guy is serious enough in his profession that he's taking the right steps to be a professional detailer and not a guy that just showed up at my doorstep with a bucket and a sponge saying, hey, I can wash cars for you, how much are you willing to pay me? So I think one of the things you gotta present yourself as a professional, um, dress for the job that you want, not the job that you have or something. I think is how the saying goes. Uh, I always so like no flip flops, no flip flops, oh, no flip flops and cut off shorts. Saying, yeah, I saw Jeez. that before, but it's cool. We're in Florida. Right. We're in Florida. Detailer, man. We're, we're in Oklahoma. He still does the same yeah. shit. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> God bless you, man. Yeah, right. But you know, you know, come in, dress professionally. Um, tell me, and, and one of the other things, and this is something, you know, again, little sneak peek. I, I just, well, I, actually tonight, I officially become a board member of the IDA, and we're sitting here with DJ, who's officially going to become president. And I think one of the the biggest things to me is when, as a dealer, the first thing you ask as a service manager to a prospective technician is, what type of certifications do you have? You know, what type of tools do you have? When that guy pulls up with his snap-on toolbox, doesn't mean he's the best technician, but it looks good. You know, if you got a detailer coming in and he's got brand new flex or Rupus, and I'm not trying to, you know, post up for any uh, different products out there, but he's got a nice set of tools, his own tools that he wants to bring and use because he's comfortable with them and he tells me that he's a certified detailer, that means a lot because, again, when you hire technicians, you are looking for somebody who's got some sort of uh, certifications, or if they don't, they have to understand that that's what their, one of their jobs is going to be to get certified during that time there. And I think it's a big thing for dealerships to be able to say at some point in the near, near future is not only do we hire ASC certified technicians, but we also employ IDA certified detailers. And we had quite a few that worked with us. Um, I guess my two biggest deals would be urgency. Valuing that customer's time is just super, super important. And then quality control. You know, another, another good thing is, you know, to sell, right? When you go for a job, you're basically selling yourself. And when you're trying to sell something, sometimes you need to create a demand or a need for your product or your service. And I think one of the things that to help educate prospective uh, details that are thinking about going into this is a way... A lot of dealerships make a lot of money is through quarterly incentives from the manufacturer, through what in GM we used to call CSI, SFE, Standards for Excellence, Customer Satisfaction Inquiries. And one of, those, uh, one of the first questions in your sales survey was, how impressed were you with the look of that vehicle? And I had a great, great mentor, Mr. Mr. Paul LeMay from General Motors, and he used to get up in front of crowds of thousands of General Motors dealership employees and say, that vehicle can never look better than it does the first day that that customer ever takes delivery of that vehicle. And it makes all the sense in the world. It's a brand new car. It should never, ever look better than that day. And unfortunately, for the most part, they look like shit. Yeah, because DJ, what's our favorite thing as detailers to hear from oh, a customer? It. It's brand new. It doesn't need anything. No, nope, that's okay. not where I was going. Oh, okay. It looks thing. better than the first day I bought it. Uh, 100%. After the details done. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's sorry. I guess I didn't communicate the question all the way. You sucked at that. Yeah. Yeah. There's My a couple of pints in. Time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Ask it again. Uh, no. One more time. I will not drink Coors Light. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, no. But so, again, real quick, if I just finish, I want yeah. you know educate the details. Let the details know that there's a lot of money involved yes. for those dealerships that they can a lose lot. if those details aren't getting done properly. It's going to be extremely beneficial financially. That, that, 
reputation-wise and customer satisfaction-wise to have a certified detail that knows what they're doing. And here's the, here was the next question I was going to ask DJ is, DJ, how much money do you think that you could actually generate in revenue by detailing cars at a dealership? Probably a crap ton of money. Right? Probably yeah. What? Probably so, a crap ton of money. So at, at one point in time at, at, at Cass's dealership when we were working together very heavily inside the detail shop, what numbers did you hit? We hit 4,400 hours in one month, 170,000 in sales and over 120,000 in gross in one month. So detailers can go into a dealership and if you can work through the service rider, but I, that was odd, I'm sorry, but working with the service rider to go to the service manager and let's say you could ink a deal yeah. and you're the guy that comes in and takes over a detail shop it's called an on-site like or a sublet right yeah. i mean sixty thousand dollars a month in customer pay yeah like we talked earlier with some guys that are doing that like yeah. the amount of money that you can generate for you as just your own company servicing cars at a dealership which we're told to shit and hate on and we don't like dealerships and how many detailers put post about complaining to their customers that they went to a dealership, right? The amount of revenue that you can make, so put your pride away and think fucking business, the amount of revenue that you can make off of servicing the dealership is astronomical. 100 so. potential customers roughly a day across that drive. Yeah, it's, it's really crazy. So we want, we want, at this moment, this is what we call the tab out question of the day. All right, so right. Tony, I know you said you weren't big on drinking beer, Yeah, but are you, have you drink anything up? I'm a vodka guy. A vodka guy? Wine. Okay. So you've been up at a bar late and they're closing down and maybe a it's bit tipsy. You know, it's time to tab out. Yeah. There's a question that we like to ask for our okay. tab out. And since we are in home of Disney, right? Yes. So put yourself in a cartoon character. Oh, shit. Which princess... Are you, are you with? Yeah, nice smile. Yeah, yeah. He's already got one. He already knows. He's got a princess crush. Yeah, it hit him hard. Yeah. What's your princess crush? Who are you going to be with? Dang. Well, I'm just glad you said it that way because I was anticipating a much more. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we PG'd it. Yeah. Thanks, Marty. Oh, you want? You can answer oh. first. Man, I'll go with Belle. Belle? Oh. Yeah. I, I guess I'm kind of. Yeah. I got the beard, so okay. yeah. I'll You're be the, the beast. beast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we had some earlier. That there was a couple. There was a couple, and she said she was the bell and he was the beast. That makes sense. All right. There you go. Yeah. I'm going to say Snow White. Is that, that's yeah. the second. That's yeah. the second, yeah. She's just yeah. uh, pure and beautiful according to the story, and uh, if she gets on your nerves, you just prick a finger and put her back to sleep. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> like Community. That. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, Tony, where do people find you on social? Oh, on social. Um, Tony GP on Facebook. I couldn't even tell you what my Instagram is. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 47. Instagram, I keep going to my children, ask me how to do Instagram, and they said, Tony, Dad, what's you're your TikTok? What TikTok? What's yeah. TikTok? <laughs> Isn't that a breath mint? Yeah, TikTok. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, when I ask my kids to show me how to use uh, Instagram, they say, Dad, you already fucked up Facebook for us. We're not going to do Instagram. So, uh, Tony GP, uh, I'm sure you'll find me anywhere with that. Um, got a lot of great friends in this industry and yeah. stuff, and they like to share a lot of things. So, I've been blessed with this industry. So, awesome. thank you, everybody. That's awesome. And Pleasure from, talking with from, you. Uh, just detailers in, in the industry, I think the way you guys have grown and the professionalism of the way you've done it. Thank you. And the there way you know. you've incorporated yeah. a lot of detailers, like, it's 
incredible. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Cass, where do people find you? Snakebliskin09 on Instagram. But it changes like every other couple of months. Yeah, it does. Yeah, with so, my cars. So what would be another one later that somebody might try Cass, to yeah. Instagram <laughs> yeah. Yo, As long as you don't have one with like both yours and your wife's name on there, you don't want one of those Cass accounts, Ann. right? No. Cass <laughs> Not happening. Cass and Marty. Yeah. Cass and Marty. Hi. Hey. I like it. You're doing. <laughs> hey, man, Tony, thanks so much for your time. Thank Appreciate you, guys. Appreciate it, Cass. Thank you for Thank your you time. Guys. Thank you guys for coming out. Oh my gosh, those tab out questions are ridiculous, right? Hey, it's DJ again. Listen, if you guys want to connect with us on IG, definitely do so. You guys can reach out to me directly at DJ Patterson. You can find Marshall at Total Auto Solutions or at Marty L. Hill. Uh, definitely, if you want to reach out in regards to the podcast itself, myself, Marty and also John both manage the page on IG at Pints Polishing Podcast. So if you have any cool, um, you know, stories or whatever of you guys drinking beer or uh, even with our silicone pint cups or pint glasses, as Marty would call them, definitely tag us there. We'll share it out and uh, let's keep the community going. So yeah, reach us out, reach out to us, excuse me, on Instagram. I'm at DJ Patterson. Marty is at Total Auto Solutions. And hit us up and tag us definitely at Pints Polishing Podcast. Uh, one last thing uh, people are asking all the time hey, when is so and so's podcast coming out? Hey, when is so and so's podcast coming out? Be patient. We're dropping one podcast per day. So I believe we have roughly maybe 10 more. Um, I have to check, but. So something like that, something about 10 more podcasts we're going to drop every day. So tomorrow, about this time, you will get another one. All right, we'll see you.